4,000 years later. And it's all about a door being opened up in heaven. And it's all about getting a bride for him. And you know what Eliezer is? He gets the privilege of going and getting a bride for his master, for his master's son. I'm sitting there going, Lord, I'd rather, if I could just, you know what soul winning is? You're getting a bride, not for you, for him. And, and what he's looking for is somebody, you know, Eliezer's a cool guy. I mean, go back to Genesis, Genesis uh, 23. I think it's 23, 24, 24. I think it's 24. If it's not 24, it's 23. In Sunday school, we're not there yet. Hey, just because I'm preaching tonight don't mean I'm not going to go over it in Sunday school. So y'all just get, get it over, get over that. <laughs> I, I like it. Boy, I just like Eliezer. But this is just, you know, if you're not a soul one, I'm going to tell you something. If you think, if you think you got saved just to get saved to take up a spot, you are sadly deceived. Old man once said this, the only one among the 12 who did not become a missionary became a traitor. You think about that for a second. 12 men got around Jesus Christ. And you're either going to become a missionary or you're a traitor. And you're going to turn away from him and turn him in. And you're going to, what are you smiling at there, brother, man? I want you to smile right on you. I can see that little turn like <laughs> You better watch that thing, man. I don't want to be a traitor. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be a Judas. And the only thing left for me, if I'm not going to be a Judas, is to be one of the 11. And if I'm going to be one of the 11, guess what? I'm going to have to figure out what he said and do it. And do it. It's not just, oh, man, I got saved and I'm a Christian. That's okay with me. No. Life is full of trials and tribulations. I don't know about you, but I'm telling you, it's... It's hard sometimes to serve God. It's hard to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. It is rough. But boy, I tell you what, the benefits outweigh everything on this planet. Uh, the excitement level is beyond everything. Uh, I, I read that verse. We, what we do is when we quit serving Jesus Christ and you say, oh, I, I'm a Christian. I serve. No, you'll bite each other. You start this thing, man. And what that does is God hates discord, brother. He hates the stuff. There's no read for it. You know what? If you go out and do something for Jesus... It'll, get, it'll get, get you out of yourself. And all of a sudden, you'll have joy at the, at the presence. I like that thing, man, he, where he says, likewise, I say to you, there's joy in the presence. You know what makes God happy? A sinner repenting. Why? His, his son just got his bride. Another piece. I don't know how many pieces it takes to make a bride, but it must take a whole bunch. And, it, and you know what? He's not done putting pieces together in his bride. His bride must really be looking good. And I'm sitting there going, man, he's going to put his bride together. But it says, likewise, I say to you that this is Christ talking. There is joy in the presence of the angels of God. They're in heaven right now praising God every time somebody gets saved. And we waste our time biting each other. That's insane, man. We waste our time watching stupid stuff or doing stupid stuff. Believe me, I do enough stupid stuff. I know about stupid stuff. Have you ever done a bunch of stupid stuff and you go, why am I doing that? Why am I doing that? It's insane, man. The thing is crazy. Over one, he says, in the presence of God, there's joy, not just, just, oh, it's okay, man. Look, another person just got saved. That's what we do. Somebody gets up and says, man, I was at, and so-and-so got saved, man. Young lady, I was talking to a young lady here today, comes with the berries. She said, she was afraid to talk to me at first. She goes, could I, could I talk to you sometime? Actually, Mrs. Berry came up and started a conversation. I said, sure, man. I, I don't bite. You know, I'm not that mean. I mean, look mean. I'm not, but she was wanting to know some stuff about the Bible. I'm like, and the Catholic, I said, whoa. I said, what? I like that kind of stuff, man. You know what you do? You feed them and you give them what they need. So number one, they can have a walk with Jesus Christ, their self. It has nothing to do with me. 
It has to do with them and their walk. All you're doing is you're helping the bride. You know what Eliezer got to do, man? He got to help the bride. Abraham, verse 1 says, and 24-1, Genesis 24-1, I better get going. I know some of y'all have stuff to do today. It's a special day. Special unction from on high. <laughs> I could really care less. If you ain't DB, DB, whatever it is, but what is it? Divo De De in it? I don't know what they do. Uh, in the morning, you can bring up Google and you'll figure out who did what. And Abraham was old and well stricken in years, in age. And the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And Abraham said unto his eldest servant of his house that ruled over all that he had, put, I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh. And I will make thee swear by the Lord God of the God of heaven and the God of the earth, that thou shalt not take a wife uh, uh, unto my son of the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell, but thou shalt go unto my country, to my kindred, and take a wife unto my son Isaac. And the servant said unto him, Preventure the, the woman would not be willing to follow uh, me unto, unto this land. Man, I tell you what, when you start thinking about that stuff, here's a guy, his master said, hey, you come here. He trusts him, trusts Eliezer enough to do this. He said, you come here. I want you to go do a, a favor for me, do a job for me. And he goes, you just go over here and tell them I need a wife and they're going to give you one. And she's going to come. I mean, Abraham just thought God would just do that for him. Uh, he didn't have, he said, no, man, the Lord said as the sand of the seas are going to be my seed through this young man, God's already got a woman prepared for him. You know, when you try to find something on your own, nine chances out of ten, you're going to mess up. Without God in the mix, you're going to mess that thing up. There's just no possible way you can make that right decision. You know what you got to do? You got to stop and say, Lord, what would you have me do? That's the first thing Paul said, man. I mean, he did, when he got down face-to-face -face with God, he realized, hey, I have messed up my whole life up to this point, and now I'm standing in front of him, the one, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, and before I make a move off of this place, I need to find out exactly what he wants me to do. There's nothing wrong with following, by the way. Following's a great thing to do. It keeps you out of a lot of trouble. The more you follow, the better off you are. I like being on a ship in the Navy. People said, I was told by everybody when I went in the Navy, you will not survive in the Navy. I didn't know what they meant. As a matter of fact, I don't know what most people mean anyways when they say stuff. I, I'm, I'm really not, not meant for this world very much. My mind just don't think, I don't think, there's, I don't think there's a reason to quit, although I want to quit all the time. I don't think there's a, any reason to fail, although I fail sometimes. I don't think that there's anything that's not possible that I, if I can think it, he done told him back at Tower of Babel, if you can think it, you can do it. All I'm saying is if you can't help me get out of my way, would you please? Don't hinder me. People say, well, can I help you? No, you can't. Get out of my way. I haven't got time for you to help me. If you help me, you slow me down. Now you say, oh, that's me. No, I just, my mind is set in a pattern and it's like in a path and it's headed down that way and I don't know how to slow the thing down. I'm probably A-D-H-A-D-P-T-R, whatever they call that stuff. Uh, and it's too late in life to even try to solve the problem. I mean, it's done. It's over with. But I don't want to be a traitor. I don't want to be a traitor. I want to add joy to my Lord. I want to give my Lord joy. The Lord is looking for someone here. Abraham's looking for someone. Number one, that'll just serve him. And he got somebody. He got Eliezer. He could trust Eliezer. He's looking for somebody that can be sent. You know what the Lord is looking for tonight is somebody that can be sent. 
Not, you don't have to go to Zimbabwe or you don't have to go to Papua New Guinea or any of those places. Uh, you may just go out in town here and hand somebody a gospel track and talk to them about Jesus Christ. He's just looking for somebody who'd be faithful in what they're doing. You know what will happen is we'll let so much stuff get in our way. We'll bite and devour each other or bite and devour somebody else or get into these things where it's all about me. Yeah. Oh, man, I tell you what. I don't have my phone. Do you send selfies? If you send selfies, you're a moron. I'm telling you, I don't care who you are. You're a moron. If you get on Facebook and you put all that stuff out there, you put that trash out on Facebook for everybody to see, you're a moron. There, you got enough problems. You don't need everybody to know all of them. Look at me. Why? Why? Why would I want to look at you? As a matter of fact, I don't even want to go out there, man. It's just somebody, I was talking to somebody the other day and talking about TikTok. I, I never knew what TikTok was. And all of a sudden he says it's just a place for all these little girls to go out and act like they're well, whatever they are. Well, I'm like, first of all, you don't act like you're much of a man anyways. But for you to say that tells me what you're looking for when you're out there. Why would anybody who would, why would you want your daughters, why would you want to be on TikTok? Why would you want to be anywhere like that? You know what that is? That's not serving your master, that's serving your flesh. And then when somebody says something, the first thing you do is going to get mad. Some of y'all probably mad right now. Y'all, y'all, man, he's meddling. He's meddling in my life. <laughs> he's trying to get me to do right. No, I'm, yeah, one of these days you're going to stand before Jesus Christ and give an account of yourself. And guess what? I might just be there and the Lord might call me up and say, hey, did this guy, did he, did he tell you? And he'll, he'll bring a screen down up here. And he'll say, look at that right there, man. Look right there. Mike just told you that. No, 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 no. Oh, no. No. You know what God's looking for? He's looking for a bride. And he's been working for eons to get a bride. Before the foundations of the world, he planned this thing to get a bride. Here at this case right here, you got Eliezer. Your stories aren't in the Bible just to be stories in the Bible for you to read and say, oh, I read that. Joe said the other night, just to put it over here, that's good. No, man, these things are serious. You ever get serious about your Bible? He's looking for somebody who's willing to be sent. Then he's looking for somebody who can be supplied and trusted with what they're given. You know what our problem is? God can't trust most of us. You hear me all the time talk about money. You know what the problem is? God gives you something he can't trust you with it. If you love your wallet more than you love him, it'll show. It'll show. He can't trust you. What I have isn't mine, it's his. I would rather give you something than charge you for it. You say, why would you do that? That way I can let the Lord bless me. And he does, man. I can't even tell you how. It's amazing. I sit here at 64 years old, going on 65, and I am perfectly blessed. You say, how are you? I got a thousand million. I, man, if I couldn't count the number of ways he's blessed me since I got saved. I can't count them. I can't count them. They're innumerable. They're innumerable. I look back at some of the highlights of the points. I wouldn't trade one minute of my life, not one minute, for anything on this planet. I'd do it all over again if he would let me, because every time I think about it, I get excited, man. The hair comes up on the back of my head, and I just remember his presence right there in the midst of the trials and tribulations. He loved me all the way through. He stayed right there with me. That's Eliezer. You know, he sends you out to get his bride. Don't you think he's going to go with you to get it? Amen. You think he's going to send you on a job that can't be done? There's no job that he would send you on that can't be done. You can trust him in everything. Who cares if the mountains crumble? <laughs> I don't care, man. They're going to fall apart in Revelation 21 anyways. 
Let it happen. Bring it on, man. The only thing I care about is souls, man. You got to get some mind on some souls. Abraham's servant goes out and down in verse uh, 8, he, he sits there and says, and if the woman, he's talking to Abraham, you know, he's got, got some concerns. You, as a soul, you're, you're going to go do something for the Lord. You should have some concerns. I got that. If the woman it will not be willing to follow thee, then thou shalt be clear from this my oath. Only bring not my son thither again. Eliezer asked him, said, look, what's if this lady, man? I said, Lord, you know what you're asking me? You're asking me to go about six or 700 miles away with a bunch of camels. And you're telling me to go find a girl for your son. And like she's going to get on a bunch of camels and come back six or 700 miles. Now, a camel train actually travels about 18 to 20 miles a day. So you're looking over a month's travel there and a month's travel back. And I don't know if you've ever rode a camel or not. I, I don't think that's the preferred way of travel today. But if, if you did ride a camel, you wouldn't like to ride that camel very long. I mean, especially when they spit on you and smell and everything else, and you got to feed them and all this other stuff. He had a whole train full of camels, man. I mean, he took everything. He needed, you know why he had a train? He had a long journey. He's going to need a lot of supplies to get him there. He's going to need a lot of supplies to get him back. And Eliezer is sitting here looking at his master and said, but, but hey, the master, he goes, what's if she won't come? He goes, you'll be free from it. You know, the Lord never puts a burden on you to tell you if you go out and try to win somebody to the Lord, if, if they don't get saved, it's your fault and you're going to hell. You lose treasures in heaven if you don't win somebody to Jesus. He never says that. He just says, go out and do it. Amen. If the Lord isn't in it, it ain't going to matter anyways. But boy, you get the Lord in something and all of a sudden you, you, start, you start getting some joy, man, down in that soul. But I, you need joy. You know what? Brethren, I'm telling you what, we have been cooped up in this little church for a long time. We need to get out. You need to get out of here and go do something for Jesus. This should not be your only venue of enjoyment with the Lord. There should be others. I was talking to Brother Tom. We go to jails on every seventh week on Tuesday nights. We go to jails. He goes, he's usually the only one there. Why is that, guys? Why is that? I'll, I'll start going. I'm going to start going. I told you I'd start going the other night. The jail's open on Tuesday. Yo, you got something else to do? You never know what's going to happen to jail. I mean, it's not just Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday. It's every night, man. You got to do everything you can do. I, I like it, man. Jails are cool. I like, I like going and talking to sinners. I don't know about you, but one sinner talking to another sinner about the Savior. I like that. I just like it. It's good. Abraham's servant, he gets there, and verse 10, it says, And the servant took ten camels, uh, of the camels of his masters and departed for all the goods of his masters were in his hand. He was fully trusted. You know, God gives you all kinds of stuff. He trusts you. The more he can trust you, the more he's going to give you. And the more he gives you, the more you realize how much he trusts you and the more he gives you more. I can't, he's given me abundantly above. He's filled my cup to running over and he did that probably 25, 30 years ago and it's been running over. I, I remember one of them preachers one time says, I'm drinking out a saucer, man, right now. I don't even need to touch the cup no more. You know what the problem with most of us is we're still drinking out of the cup, man, and we're sucking down the bottom of the dregs at the bottom of the cup. You haven't ever let God fill that thing up, man. I wait, wait till it comes over there. You'll be down there sucking it out of the saucer to keep it from coming over to the table, man. That's what you'll be doing. Your wife will be sitting there, you're making a mess. You're making a mess. Praise God. I wish God would make a mess with my cup. 
Fill that thing up, man. You know what you ought to do? Is get one of those things where the cup's on top and the saucer's here, and there's a bigger cup underneath of it, and a bigger saucer underneath that, and a bigger cup underneath that. So when the top one runs over, he runs over onto the plate, into the other one. You don't lose a thing. Just fill them all up, man. You know what? God said, I'll fill them all up. But you have to go through some things to see that Eliezer wasn't there. He's just on 10 camels. He's doing what his master said. He goes, I'm covered, man. If it don't work, if it don't work, I'm okay. He starts with prayer. That's one of our big problems is we don't do that. Down in verse 12, he says, and he said, Oh, Lord God of my master Abraham. I know Abraham's with you, man. He went up on the side of the mountain. He's going to kill that boy. Now he's sending me out to get him a bride. And you took care of that boy up on top of the mountain. You're going to have to take care of me down here. He said, I pray thee, send me good speed this day and show kindness unto thy master, my master Abraham. Behold, I stand here. You know, it's not about Eliezer. It's about his master. Eliezer knows exactly what he's doing. He's there to get a bride for his master's son. You know what's wrong with most of us? We don't know what we're here for. You're not here to make a, a, a splash in this world. You're here to get a bride for a son. Because one day, somebody got you for his son. And once he gets you, your whole life, you're learning. You're learning this thing. I, I'm here to get this for him. Success is one of the worst things you'll ever have. Because it'll, it'll, it'll pull you apart. Uh, I thank God for all the time for letting me be an uh, introvert. You might not think I really am, but I really am one. Uh, on, when I was in the military, I never had a, a problem. I always thought I was the worst of the worst of the worst of the worst. I still think that. It's just, maybe it's a, a deficiency in my, the way my brain thinks. I just think that everybody's better than me about it at, at everything. At everything. So I'm always striving to excel in everything I do, but I always feel like everybody's beating me out. And the Lord says, you don't have to worry about that. <laughs> me and you make, make a majority. You don't have to worry about a thing. And I always thought everybody was just better and better and better. And I would go out, so I didn't care what anybody else thought. What I cared about is what I was doing myself personally for the United States Navy and for God. That's what I thought about. I was never in competition with somebody else. I could care less about being in competition. You are not in competition with me, and I am not in competition with you. My race is not yours, and yours is not mine. Yours is yours. What's wrong with most of us is we bite and devour. We try to be into somebody else's track. You can't be in their track. You have no idea what that person's life is. You don't know what God has done for 10 or 15, 20 years. I'm 64 years old. How in the world could you be like me? There's no possible way. How could I be like Dr. Roman? Well, I always looked at Dr. Roman. I always wish he was my grip. I really did. Well, if I could just have a granddad like that. If I, could have a grand... I never knew my grandfathers, neither one of them. I'm glad I didn't. They were both drugs, I think. <laughs> I don't know. They might have been better than my dad. I have no idea. But I thank God for everything he's done. But man, I met Dr. Roman and I could just listen to him. And I heard that there's wisdom that comes out of his mouth and he just says stuff. People say, oh, he's just some gnarly old guy. Most people can sit under him 15 minutes. You hear him, Brother Pete, Brother Pete, Brother Pete, you're out of your mind. That's Dr. Peter S. Rockman, by the way. Dr. Peter S. Rockman. I'm not afraid to say he's my, he was my friend. Although I might not have been much of his friend. Boy, he was mine. He was my mentor. I like listening to him. I liked it when he told me what to do. I loved it when I, you know, just a couple times I got to go up and ask him a question. Just a couple times. And both times he told me what to do. Both times I did. Exactly. That man did not have to explain to me nothing. Zero. He said, do this. I'm done. Later. 
He actually stopped me one time. I said, dog, dog. I chased him all the way across the campus. I said, dog, dog. I don't want to mess up. When I said that, you know, he turned around. You know what? Most people, they don't care. They, you already know what you want. And you don't care what anybody else says. You're going to do what you want to do. And you're going to do what you want to do to anybody that you want to do it to to get what you want. He already knows that. You know he knows that? But apparently, apparently, he realized that I was serious. And I was. I didn't want to mess up. I do it enough. I don't need to keep continuing. And, and when I said that, he was almost in the other building. And he stopped. And he just turned around and said, Brother Elliot, I just wouldn't do it. I said, thank you. I'm done. I turned around and walked away. And he goes, whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, come back here. He said, you know why I said that? I said, no. He said exactly what I just said. He said, most people already know what they're going to do. He said, I actually think you want to know. I said, I do. I said, sir, I put myself under you when I came to this school. And you're my mentor. You're the guy who's going to tell me what to do. And you don't have to explain to me nothing. I said, I serve admirals and I serve captains, and you don't have to explain to me nothing. If you tell me no, you know I'm so sick of young people looking at older people and opening their filthy, stinking little mouths and acting like they have something to say and they have nothing to say. You have nothing to say. You have nothing. You haven't learned enough about life yet to even say anything. That's I said that I love. <laughs> I really do love you. And if you keep your mouth shut long enough, guess what? You'll get to the same place where when somebody tells you something, you might just listen. And God may put somebody in your path to teach you something and get you through 64, 65 years where you can sit back and say, praise God, hallelujah. You know all that is? That's a servant. That's all I wanted to be is a servant. I never wanted to be Dr. Ruckman. You know how many preachers I've seen? I want to, I'm going to be the next Peter S. Ruckman. I'm like, I don't think so, man. First of all, the mold was broke and thrown away when God got him out of that thing. I said it was cracking when he was being made in that thing. And, and when it was done, there wasn't nothing left to remake another one. And first of all, second of all, that man is kind of just, he's out there. He's just, and I've heard other preachers say that exact same thing from other flavors, man. They all say that this guy is, is strange, is strange. Strange is a kind word. <laughs> Doc, Doc was a, a, a crazy guy, man. People who say, I don't, I don't like Dr. Ruckman because, I don't like Brother Pete because of this. Or, or this or that or the other. No, you sit under him for three years, man. He'll drive you crazy. Anyway, I'm going to get back to this. I'm going to get away. Isaac, Eliezer. Uh, starts with prayer and he can't, then he puts specifics in his prayer and he gets down to verse 14 have you ever prayed for somebody specifically and then watch God do it Eliezer is just saying he's thinking about his master and he goes I know you put me on this tour you put me on this duty you put me on this trip and this journey and I'm supposed to accomplish something and I don't know but I know the God of Abraham is behind this thing and he goes and let it come to pass that the damsel whom I shall say let let down that pitcher, I pray thee, uh, that I may drink. And go up to verse 15 just for a second time. And it says, it came to pass before he had done speaking that, behold, Rebecca came out. Don't you think God wants you to succeed? Now, Eliezer didn't know this, and Abraham couldn't prove it to Eliezer. Eliezer had to learn it along the path that you can trust God. Verse 21 Rebecca does everything Eliezer just says, to the T, to the letter. Eliezer is probably sitting there, his jaws drop down. The camels are probably going, <laughs> they couldn't believe it either. It's exactly what you just said. Hey, that's just what you said. You just said that. And look, there it goes. Verse 21, and the man wandering at her held his peace to wit whether 
the Lord had made his journey prosperous or not. He just sees everything he just said. He goes, I wonder if the Lord really is in this thing or not. You know, sometimes we are, we are ignorant. But that's okay. The Lord knows that too. Uh, he understands our frame. He really does. And he, he wants us to succeed. And after a period of time, you'll get over this thing over the years. And pretty soon you'll become what you're supposed to be. And Eliezer is becoming what he's supposed to be. He's a great servant to Abraham uh, back in Canaan. But now he has to remove himself from Abraham at Abraham's request and go out and do something. You know, the Lord left us. He sent that man, uh, maniac of Gadara. He sent him back. He said, hey, I want to be with you. I want to be with you. So many of us, we want to be around God's people. We want to be around God's preachers. We want to hear God's stuff all the time. Sometimes you need to be by yourself. Really, sometimes you need to be out on your own on this planet by yourself to see really the hand of God move in your life. I thank God for every moment out on those ships in the middle of the ocean. I thank him for every moment because I was by myself alone with him. And I learned all kinds of stuff. I wouldn't trade none of that. You know why? Because I got to be by myself. I didn't have a wife to answer to. Boy, if you got one, I'm sorry. <laughs> Wives, if you got a husband to answer to, I'm sorry for you too. Beth, I didn't ask her to do what I wanted to do. She was either going to do it or I didn't want her. It's that simple. She was either right or wrong. That's bottom line. And when I started looking, we were friends. And I'm like, okay, she's probably okay. She's got some issues. She still does. But Lord, that's your problem. He goes, yeah, that's my problem, not yours. I sent you to get a bride. Here's your bride. Shut up. It's okay. You know what? It's, been, it's just been a joy ride for, for 32, going on to 33, about 33 years. It's just been a joy ride. It's been the craziest ride I've ever been on in my life. I've, 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 you only got one life to live. I mean, wasting it on this filthy, stinking world is insane. I don't have time to waste. I never had time to waste. I don't like wasting. I don't like wasting nothing. I want to figure out exactly what to do. Move on and, and go the next day. I don't like wasting. You waste stuff, man, and you can't gain it back. You just can't get it back. And the older you get, the worse it gets. You better learn how to handle money right now as young people. Because I'm telling you, once you start getting older and you lose it, you won't get it back. Not as easy as you used to. Isaac, uh, Eliezer, <laughs> he's astonished here, by the way, at, at what he's seeing. And here... The bride, you know, he goes and, and wins his bride. I'm talking about soul winning. I want to be an Eliezer. She said, moreover, verse 25, she said, moreover unto him, we have both straw and provider enough to room to lodge it. I mean, she was making a place for Eliezer to stay. Eliezer just, he's losing it, man. In his amazement, verse 27, he says, and he blessed, and he said, blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who had not left destitute my master of his mercy and, and his truth. I being in the way, the Lord led me to the house, right to the house, right to the well, right to the well. And he gets there and he says, oh God, if it's your will. And here comes Rebecca. And he goes, boy, if she just does this, 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 this. That's, that's what I did with Beth. I said, I said Lord, if, if she does, I came to, to Dayton in a, in a Plymouth Voyager. It's like a Dodge caravan. So I brought my caravan with me and I came to get me a wife. That's what everybody said I was supposed to. I brought my caravan with me. And I'm like, preventure, would she go with me or not? I mean, I wouldn't go with me. Why would she go with me? But Lord, you told me to come up here, and I came up here and look at it. And I mean, at moment, at the moment she saw me, she just couldn't resist. <laughs> I knew she was had right there. I felt sorry for her. I had to take her. <laughs> I think it was a little more both sides there, but 
But we will just talk about her side right now. <laughs> the bride is always there, man. She's always there. The Lord knows exactly. If he sends you as a soul winner out to get a bride, he's got a bride that he wants. And he's got pieces and parts. we got to get over some things in our lives that, that hinder us. Eliezer, uh, verse 33, he says, And there was set meat before him, but he said, uh, I will not eat until I have told my errand. And he spake on it, and he said exactly what he was saying. He's, he's looking for assurance that, hey, this is it. But this young lady hadn't said she's going to do anything yet. And then over in verse 57, and then I'm going to get in the message. He said, man, the message is short. Verse 57, and, and they said, we will call the damsel and inquire her mouth. And they called Rebecca, and she said, and they said unto her, wilt thou go with this man? And she said, I will go. You know what? You know what winning uh, part of the bride is? Winning souls is nothing more than that right there. A proposition is made. Boy, he brings in the rings and the bracelets and all that other stuff. I, I like that part over here. And he's, he's not quite sure yet what to do. In verse 22, he says, And it came to pass, uh, as the camels were drinking, that the man took a golden earring and of half a shekel weight and two bracelets uh, for her hand and ten shekels weight of gold and said, Whose daughter art thou? I can see him with the stuff in his hand like, is this the one? Is this the one? Is this the one? Is this the one? And when she said what she did, he gave her the stuff right off the bat. I think he was just waiting to give her the stuff because he wasn't sure. And then he gets over there and he's looking for assurance. And, and the Lord starts showing him and, and they all say, oh, let her say this. Let her do this. Let her do this. And then right there in that passage right there, Rebecca says, I will go. The, the offer was made. And you know what? When she saw that, she took it. Sometimes I think we get afraid to go soul winning and winning souls because we're afraid the answer is going to be no. Or we're going to be afraid that they're just not going to do. But you know, if you just don't do it, you never will find out. You just do it, man. You just do it. You just do it. And, and you don't care about nobody else about around you. I never cared about anybody else around me. I just told them about Jesus and fixed stuff and told them about Jesus and fixed stuff and told them about Jesus and fixed stuff and told them about Jesus and fixed stuff. I didn't ever care to excel. I never cared to make E4. I never cared to make E5. I had to make E4 to get out of school. But when I made E5, I wasn't really trying to make E5. They made me take the test. That bosun made, made me fill out my pars, and he signed them all and made me go down and sit, take the test. I never wanted to make these six. I was happy just being what I was. You know, a lot of people, man, we just sit there. We got to have, we have to achieve something. We have to. Anyways, Abraham's servant got what he wanted. I want to be an Eliezer. Who do you want to be tonight? Well, I'll tell you what, if you want to be an Eliezer, you're going to have to do some things in your life to change. And you're going to, have to do some stuff to ramp up some stuff in your life. First of all, you got to do what your master says. Not what everybody else says, what your master says. Do you know who your master is today? I know exactly who mine is. He makes the mountains crumble. He fills the oceans full of water. I know where he got the water at. He told me. I know exactly where he did everything he did. I know who my master is. Do you know who yours is today? I know exactly who mine is. I know when he calls. I can hear him. It's right there. I don't need anybody else on this planet to assure me of anything. He does assurance. He does all that stuff for me. I can sit down and listen to this thing, as, and Lord, I say, I'm perfectly happy sitting down and just reading my Bible and just being with you all alone. I don't need, I don't need pats on the back. I don't need anybody to give me accolades. I don't need anything. I got all I need. I got everything from Jesus Christ I want. Why would I want anymore? I got everything he has. It's all mine. What more could you possibly give me? What more could anybody on this planet give me? But the problem is, is a lot of us were like Eliezer. We haven't learned that yet. I'm telling you that from a guy who's 64 years old who's been there and done that and got the T-shirt. Abraham's servant got the bride, brought her back, 
And Isaac was waiting for her when he got back. You know, the Lord's waiting for you in heaven right now. He's waiting for us to get back. Now, here's the message. You want to be a servant? You want to be a soul winner? Here's what you got to do. There's a way you have to learn how to approach people. You have to learn how to deal with people. Be wise and servant, harmless as a dove. You got to sit down sometimes and just be soft to them and not necessarily. Heaven and hell is real. And there may be a place where that needs to be brought in. And it should be in most cases. You should know what you're being saved from. But it never, it never hurts to say, how are you doing today? Is everything okay? Is there anything I can do for you? Before you get right down, are you going to burn in hell for all eternity? That's great. If you got a few moments, yeah, man. If that's all you got is a couple seconds, say, hey, if you die today, do you know you for sure you'll go to heaven or hell? Brethren, our testimony, soul winning is so dependent on your testimony, I can't even begin to tell you how dependent it is. It hinges. It hinges on that. Because your walk with Jesus Christ will be the catalyst to win other people to Jesus Christ. Your walk, your walk. And guess what? Everything you do comes into play in that walk. People are watching from every angle in your life. You know what? If you actually try to get your walk the way it should be, you won't pay attention about anybody around you. You're just going to be looking at yourself trying to clean yourself up all day long. And you're going to be trying to watch, am I doing this wrong? Am I doing this wrong? Am I doing this wrong? Not that you're all like, ah. no, but you're just saying, Lord, uh, here's Lord, the Holy Spirit says, hey, you talking about grieving and quenching? Lord of Spirit says, ah, should you be doing that? Uh -huh, should you be doing that? Most of us, we haven't even talked to the Holy Spirit in so long, we don't even know what he's saying. But if he ever does get back in your life the way he should, he's going to be warning you of everything you're doing. If you spent your time on a daily basis worrying about your walk with Jesus Christ, you wouldn't have time for nothing else on this planet. How are you? What's up? Heaven's up. That's a good thing to say. I like that one. What do you know? I know Jesus Christ. How about you? You know, y'all, you, you just listen to somebody. After a while, you, get, you know exactly the words to say. You need to pray before you do anything. Then, then when you start talking to somebody and you get closer, you say, are you a Christian? Are you sure? If you die tonight, you go on from that way right there. The approach, the approach is always the, the right way to go. You need to figure out your approach. And the issue. The issue is your heart. You can get the words down, you can get the approach down, you can get everything down in the whole wide world, but if this heart is just, just wicked inside, I mean just, just bitter. I want it my, no, it's not your way, it never was. You're a servant. I'm a servant of the master. That's all I want to be. Brother, I don't want to be no, no big evangelist. I don't want none of that. I have no desire for one thing. I just want to be a servant for Jesus Christ. That's it. I want my Lord to tell me what to do, and I just want to be able to do what he tells me to do. Because I already know that if he tells me to do something, I can do what he tells me to do, because he is the master. And he has the ability, and he has the supplies, and he's already given me the okay to do it, and he says do it. You know what's wrong with most people? You try to do what you think you should do, and it don't work out, then you get mad at God. And guess what? Everybody's looking at you around you, and they see you know what? I've had people after people after people say, you're going to fail. You're going to fail. You're going to fail. All my whole life, they're telling me I'm going to fail. That's just a catalyst to me, man. That just makes me madder. Because then I'm going to figure out a way to do it. Whether I need to do it or not, it's irrelevant. I'm going to do it anyway just to show you. And they say that's wrong too, probably. But I'm still going to do it. When people tell me, when God tells me to do something and people tell me I can't, I'm going to start looking for a thousand different ways to do what he told me to do. That's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for a way to do what he tells me to do. I sit here and people say, well, what are you going to do? Don't know. When are you going to do I don't know. Well, what about this? I don't know. I used to drive George crazy. George is going, what are you going to do next? I have no idea. I'm just going to come in and start doing stuff. 
But, but, but I don't know, George. Well, I don't know. And the Lord said, do something. I'll just get the feeling, the urge to do something. I'm like, oh, that's what I need to do. And I see it. I can see the whole thing. And then you start doing it. It may take six years to do the thing. But you do it anyways. You say, what is that? You wait for the master. I like the master just telling me what to do. I like the Lord telling me. I don't, I don't like making up my own plan and my own world and all this other stuff. It never worked. It's never worked for lots of people. I watch lots of people go through stuff in life, and they're not happy. Why aren't you happy, man? If you got Jesus, you know Eliezer was happy. Boy, I bet you he was skipping, man, when Rebecca said, I'll go. He's like, woohoo, I'm going to go back, man, and now I'm going to get more stuff from the master because now he, he says, wait a minute, I already got all this stuff. I mean, what more could I possibly get from Abraham? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Eliezer, you did it, man. <laughs> you know, Eliezer could have been the one next in line to be the heir, but Isaac got in the way. Eliezer didn't care. I don't need to be the next in line. I'm happy, man. I'm happy. You say, what's, what's the issue? The issue is the heart. Paul, Paul says this in, in Romans 10.1, Brother, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. You know what? Paul's heart was right, man. He's like, I want my brothers to be saved. I want my family to be saved. I want, there's nothing wrong with those things. But we have to get a right heart before most of that stuff ever happens. One of, one of, there's a missionary in the New Hebrides and, uh, in the South Pacific. He's a Presbyterian missionary. Boy, I tell you what, some of us, we're going to stand in, in line in heaven. And some of these men are going to be, and women are going to be in front of us, and they're going to be out of some of the churches that you would never think of in a million years. But uh, South Pacific is in the lonely grave of a Presbyterian missionary, the Reverend John Gebby. A marble slab bears the following inscription. When he came here, there were no Christians. When he went away, there were no heathen. Well, you know what that guy, guy cared about? He cared about those people. Yeah, right. I've heard those guys go over into Papua New Guinea and they build grass huts and, to live in and they put plastic on the roofs and then they put the grass up and the rats would climb up between the rat. Could you imagine that at nighttime sitting there looking up and here's this rat climbing between the plastic and the, the straw to get to the top of it. I'm like, Beth would just die. <laughs> she would, man. I'd have a gravestone over Beth and I'd have something like that on her gravestone. I mean, she would just die. I, I mean, she would not be able to deal with that. I think, I think. But I think she might be able to get used to that. Jesus, when he's dealt, Paul knew, he knew his people, but he knew their hearts. When Jesus was dealing with Nicodemus, Nicodemus already knew some things that, that, that he, when he came to Jesus Christ, he didn't have to be told. But sometimes you deal with people, and you've got to find out where they're at. They're not necessarily where we're at, where we're at brother and sisters. They're not where we're at. They may never, they may be a long time, they may have some very simple things that they're cautious about. Nicodemus knew about heaven and hell, and, and he knew that heaven was a desired destination. Hell is just not a good place to go. Uh, he didn't have all the answers. He knew that. He came to the master to get the answers. Uh, he was willing to listen. Some people just are not willing to listen, and you got to understand that and give them a chance, but brethren, you're out to get a bride for Jesus. And you got to figure out how to get the camel train to the water hole to find the bride. You're the one responsible to take the camels to the bride. you got to figure the thing out. You have to figure it out. You can't sit on your laurels and not figure the thing out. I, I tell you what, I got out of the Navy because I didn't figure it out. And you said, what do you, what is it? I said, I got mad, man, because nobody got saved. Well, I was stupid. It was my fault. It wasn't theirs. If I'd asked them, I'd have had a dozen, two or three dozen people saved on the spot, just like that. They were ready, man. They were bouncing out of the water. They were flying all over the place. Fish was shooting in the sky. 
I didn't see it. I got out of the Navy mad. And then I found out. The Lord said, did you ask them? I said, wait a minute. As a matter of fact, no, I didn't. After they, 15 of them got saved. 14, 15 of them got saved right in a row. Bam, 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 just like that. And I'm sitting there going, what happened here? I said, where did I mess up here? I, I want to get in on some of that. That right there, I want to get in on some of that. And the Lord said, did you ask them? So I went up to Scott and said, Scott, I said, why didn't you ever get saved when I was on the ship? He said, you never asked me. I'm like, what a moron, man. I said, they were there, man, they were there. I mean, I would have been boom. Now, I got credit for it. I got it. But, I mean, I could have had all the credit, greedy me. <laughs> uh, but, you know, the Lord had to teach me a lesson. Then he made me go back in the Navy. And guess what? I learned the right thing on the Scott Ponce. But it's a totally different world. Nicodemus knew some things. You know, sometimes, brethren, we, the older we get... Our vision starts narrowing down to where what we think is, is what God thinks is the true. And God sometimes doesn't care one thing about what you think. Dr. Roman, I remember in, in school down there, there was a, a, a really a mess, man. Uh, one uh, husband and wife got a divorce, and she started running around with this other guy from South Africa. And, and, that, and this is all in the church. Now, some of y'all wouldn't be able to handle it. You, I mean, you, you just would not be able to handle it. You... <gasps> And I'm not going to say we're going to allow that to happen today, so don't worry about that. Uh, but, but in class one night, everybody's sitting there, and you can just hear it in the crowd, man. Everybody's mad. Doc stops up here, and he goes, eh. he goes oh, y'all, y'all, you guys don't think I know what's going on, do you? <laughs> and we're all like, yeah, 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 you're right. We don't think you know what's going on because you're a nut. Do you not know what's happening in church? That's us. That's you guys. That's you guys. That's you. <laughs> and he goes, uh, are they still in church? And I'm sitting there on the front, front row, maybe second row back, on this side over here. Oh, I, I'd be like right in there, probably right where they are, Beth and, and Sarah is. And I, I was sitting there just listening to him. I just shut up and listen. He says, are they still in church? I said, well, yeah. He goes, has my preaching changed? I said, no, man. It's still good. I like it. I like it. He goes, uh, as long as they're hearing the preaching, don't you think they'll have a chance of changing? And I'm thinking, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, I never thought of it like that. He goes, if we kick him out of the church, what will happen to him? They just go out in the world and we may never see him again. He goes, now if they get up and leave, that's their choice. But if they can endure the preaching and stay there, don't you think? I said, that's better, man. I said, that's cool. You know what's wrong with most of us is we think we know and we're ready to cut stinking people's heads off like that because we think we know and you've never given God and the Holy Spirit time to work. You know, it's his bride, not yours. And some, sometimes brides just aren't the greatest thing in the whole wide world. Sometimes they are the greatest thing in the whole wide world. Sometimes they're in the middle of the mix they're getting made to what they should be. Ladies, that isn't a, a cut to you at all. Guess what? Husbands need to learn how to be a husband too. Everybody wants to get married. Why? So I can have a wife. Why? So I can, what? What? You know you got to take care of them. Oh, no, wait a second now. When you're talking about things, getting up every morning, going to work, and making money, and feeding them, and having a house, and cars, and all that other stuff to meet their needs. Oh, I don't want to do that. And, and make sure that you're the leader of the family, spiritual leader of your home. Oh, no, no, wait a minute. Whoa, whoa. I didn't, where did all that come from? It came from the book. That's where it came from. <laughs> you want to be a soul winner? You don't think all that stuff counts? Every bit of that stuff counts. Amen. When the Lord looks down and he says, you want to get my bride and you're going to live like that and do that? Forget it, man. I ain't going to bless you to do that. I ain't even going to tell you where to go. 
Nicodemus came to the right place and he was willing to change what he thought he was. He was willing to listen and change. Most of us come to the Bible, we're not willing to change because we think we know. Brethren, you haven't arrived yet. And there's always room for growth. And the reason the Lord probably hasn't done anything with you is because you won't change. You're hard-headed, stiff-necked, and won't change. You say, oh, you're mad. I'm not mad at anybody, man. I love y'all. There's a method. He says, behold, I send you forth as sheep and wolves. Boy, I tell you what, this world is crazy as it can possibly be. <laughs> I can't even tell you how crazy this world is. I'm 65 years old. I can't even imagine, Miss Betty, I can't even imagine 100 years of this stuff. I can't, I can't even begin to, 65 is enough. 50 in my life is enough. What I've seen over the last 50 years of that I can remember is plenty enough. I don't need any more than that. This thing is insane. Young people, you are getting ready to go through something that is out of this world. And you can't understand. The problem you're going to have is you're going to think that we are stupid and you know everything. No, you just got your little cell phone in your hand and you think you got everything because you can Google that's if the Googlers at the other end are not Googling back to try. You asking them for an answer, they're Googling for the answer for you too. And you think this little peer group you got has got all the answers. They have no answers. Amen. The answer is always with Jesus Christ. John 1.12 says, but as many as received him, this is the key. When, when he sent these people out, he said he, he gave them power to become the sons of God. The power comes. I like Jesus when that virtue went through him to that lady. I love that stuff, man. When you, and over there, virtue. Add to your virtue. You got, virtue is something that you need in your life, and, and it's a thing you have to work to get. You got to go out and win them. And to win them, you got to have a good Bible. You got to have some tracks. You got to have a system to get started. And you got to have a desire to go fishing. You ever want to go fishing? I never did. Andrew liked fishing. I never did like fishing. I fished when I was a kid all over the place, and, I like I like fish, man, but I tell you, I like somebody else cleaning them and somebody else catching them and somebody else frying them and somebody else putting them on my plate and me eating them. That's what I like fish. I like fish. I like deep fried fish. I don't like broiled fish. I don't like baked fish. I like deep fried greasy fish with lots of breading on it. That's what I like. White fish. I'm not prejudiced. I just like white fish. I don't know if I'd like, some people like salmon. That stuff just don't look like good fish to me. It's red. It looks like beef. I don't want beef. I want fish. I like fish when it falls apart, man, in your hand. Fish are good. That's why I like being around Jesus, man. He likes a lot of fish, too. Simon Peter says, I go fishing. You, you want to go fishing? Fishing is fun, man. You know what will keep you from fishing? Is worried about somebody else next to you. Next to you, the person next to you can't help you fish at all, man. You know what sometimes the best thing to do is go fish by yourself. You learn all the little tricks in the trades and you throw, know how to throw the stuff in and you do this. I learned how to fix stuff in electronics all by myself, man. Out there because nobody else could fix it and I just go out there and figure out what it took to fix it. <laughs> and then I got my little tackle box, man. I had my own little tackle box as a technician. You don't have to necessarily fish, but I had my own little tackle box as an electronic technician. And everybody wanted to get in my tackle box. I wouldn't let them in my tackle box. This is my tackle box. You go get your own tackle box. Everything in there I made. I made all my little lures and everything, man. So when I went up to a piece of gear, I was going to fix that sucker, man. I was going to fish for a piece of gear that's broken. I'm going to fix it. And I had everything in there that I needed so I could go up to that thing. And I knew how. I had cables that were calibrated 
uh, so I knew exactly how much loss I had on each cable. So when I hooked that cable into the system and I tied it up to my meters and stuff, I knew that the losses in them cables were calculated for so that I knew exactly what the input output of that equipment was so I could figure out what was wrong with it. Everybody said, hey, let us have your stuff. No, go get your own stuff. Go make your own stuff. Learn how to do, to do the things you need to do to accomplish what you're going to accomplish so you can be a success for Jesus Christ. That's what you need to do. Brother, I can't do it and nobody else can do it for you. you got to do it. And you can't get mad at somebody because they got something you ain't got. You know what you do? You say, forget it, man. Maybe the Lord don't want you to have that. Have you ever thought sometimes you get exactly what you... I don't want what I, I want, brother. Woo, man. Could you imagine getting what you want? Just stop and think for a second. What do you really want? You know what I want? I want what he wants. I don't want nothing else but what he wants. And I got so much stuff I, that I wanted. <laughs> I got so much stuff in my house right now that he wants me to have. I'm like, I don't want all this stuff. But I have to have it to get rid of some other stuff. And it keeps, you know, it does sometimes it keeps you busy. But if you get what you want, sometimes you can go down the wrong path and you're down this place talking to yourself thinking you're in the right path. And you're going to find yourself years down the road somewhere and you have to back that thing up. David Brainer, I love David Brainer. He's a missionary to the American Indians. These guys, we don't have a whole lot of them today anymore. They're willing to give up everything. So I care not where I live or what hardships I, I go through so that I can gain souls to Christ. He died, uh, I think, tuberculosis. Uh, while I am asleep, I dream of these things. As soon as I awake, the first thing I think of is the great work. All my desire is the converse, conversion of sinners, and all my hope is in God. That's David Brainerd. You know what's wrong with us today? Our minds aren't there. We do not think about him when we go to sleep. We do not think about him while we're sleeping. We don't think about him when we wake up. We don't look at ourselves and, and, and just loathe ourselves like Daniel did and David did and all the rest of them. I loathe myself. I look at myself in the eyes of God and I just see a wicked, no good, failing sinner 24-7. That's what I see. And the Lord says, yep, 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 that's pretty much it. <laughs> like, but, but he says, carry on. Now, good and faithful servant, just carry on. Fanny Crosby, man, I love Fanny Crosby. 9,000 hymns, blinded at six weeks into birth. Blind. What, what is, boy, you ladies, y'all gonna get to heaven. And the first one y'all gonna see is Fanny Crosby. Now, she's gonna be see there. She's gonna be able to see there. And she's gonna say, what did you do for Jesus? I got to write 9,000 hymns for him. Under pseudonames, so nobody knew it was me. That's humble. That's good, man. She didn't want everybody to know everything. She could say, no. I wrote these 5,000 songs. They're all going to have Fanny Crosby on them songs. And then the guy who wrote the music will be down here a little bit of eggs. No, no, not Fanny Crosby. One time Fanny Crosby was a, a blind hymn writer. We all know that. Visited Macaulay Missions in New York. And she's sitting there. I'm not making fun of her. That's just the way she was. She had to be had her little stick getting guided everywhere she went. She asked if there was a boy there who had no mother. And if he would come up and let her lay, lay her hands upon his head. She said a motherless fellow came up. She put her arms around him, kissed him. She went from that meeting and she wrote a song. <laughs> See, sometimes, brethren, we think the songs are just things that are sitting there at their little desk and they, and they write these songs and, and that's it. And, and God put something in it. I, 
Rescue the perishing, care for the dying, snatch them in pity from sin in the grave. Weep o'er the erring ones, lift up the fallen, tell them of Jesus the mighty to save. Rescue the perishing. You know what? She wrote one home wrote that song. You say, is that the end of the story? No way, man. <laughs> you think God stops there? Y'all ever heard her name Sankey? Mr. Sankey was Moody's song leader. Dwight Moody had a song leader. Man, he loves Sankey. Sankey was a good guy. Sometime later, Mr. Sankey was about to sing that song. In, a Saint, in St. Louis, he relates this incident. He, he started singing that song, and he told the story. And a man sprang up in the feet in the audience and said, I'm that boy. He said, I'm the one that she came up and kissed that day. And I never forgot that thing. And I ended up getting saved because she came up and did it. He goes, I didn't do it that day. But boy, boy, I couldn't get it out of my mind. What would this blind lady want to hug me and kiss me and tell me about Jesus? Why would she want to do that? Because she cared. You know, brother, I'm telling you what, we care about so much stuff and we don't care about the right things. And the right, and, and I'm telling you, this stuff is all going to go to the wayside. Boy, that little boy, <laughs> yeah, said, he, he got it, man. William Booth. I'm finished right here, William Booth. I like William Booth. He's, he's a different kind of character. Boy, he'd get down the streets, get rocks thrown at him. I mean, he got his little army band. He didn't go up down the streets and the byways and highways, and he'd win them off. After a while, though, he got, he got to the place where he got some notoriety. Everybody was like, oh, we want to be around William Booth. We want to be around his wife. We want to be around all these people. Because, you know, they, got, they come up through the ranks, and, and now they've achieved, and they got these people following them. And we might want to get elected someday, so <laughs> we want to make sure we got them on our side. That's a politician for you. William Booth was asked by King Edward VII to write in his guest book in 1904. Booth was, I think, 73, 74 at the time. He's, he's kind of thinking, he said, Your Majesty, this is what he wrote. Your Majesty, some men, amb uh, men's ambition is art. And some men's ambition is fame. Some men's ambition is gold. My ambition is the souls of men. That's what William Booth wrote to the king of England. Now, brother, I'm telling you what, one of these days, we're going to be called home to be with Jesus Christ. And he's going to say, I gave you the privilege to go get my bride. And my bride is what I sent you to do. He said, I sent somebody to get you, number one. I sent somebody to get you. And they got you. Somehow you got gotten. And you got hooked and you got in there, but you never did learn what you were here for. And what you're here for is to get his bride. I don't know about you, but tonight, you know what I want to be is an Eliezer. And if you're not an Eliezer, you know what you ought to do? You ought to be coming down this altar and you ought to get on your face and you ought to say, God, I am not the Eliezer I should be. Eliezer only cared about you and his thoughts and his patterns and how he was going to succeed for you. He did not have one care about his own self. He went through 600, 700 miles of desert with all the marauders and everybody else out there that could have killed him and done everything else. He could care less about any of that stuff. He went to do what you wanted him to do, and that's all he cared about doing. His heart and mind was set to do the master's will. If your heart and mind isn't set to do the master's will tonight, you know what to do? The best thing to do is start tonight. Rescue the perishing. That's what it is. You say, why aren't we doing what we're supposed to do? Because we 
we get into these little crowds and then we start looking at each other and we bite and bark and, and start ripping each other apart. Brother, there's not a single person in this room that you couldn't stand up here and show their life story up on that wall and you'd throw up. There's stuff in all of our lives that are sitting right there in front of us that we know about and the Lord knows about. And you may have hid it from some other people, but God knows every bit of it. And we dare to look at our brother and sister and look at them and blame them for something else. The problem is never them. The problem is right there 99.999% of the time. The only reason that other person even comes into the situation is to reveal that problem in your life. Let me ask you a question. Are you an Eliezer tonight? 11 out, 11 out of 12 became missionaries. One was a traitor. Are you a missionary tonight or a traitor? Father, thank you for your blessings. What a book, Lord. What a book, what a book, what a book. 